Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Dr. Gene Baresson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Here's what we'll talk about today. Today we're going to be talking about the recent terrorist attack in Manchester, England at a concert, and it's a pretty horrifying event. And I'd like to introduce our guest, Dr. Ellen Broughton, who is Associate Director um, of the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds. So let's just start with this question, Steve. Um, why is this? I mean, we've, we've been through a number of terrorist attacks that we've talked about and we've blogged about, but this one seems different. Is yeah. It, no, it struck me as different. Um, well, let me answer that with a question. If there were a concert and you had a 17-year-old that's happening this weekend, as there is in Boston, would this change your mind about whether they can go? Would you, or would you stop to think? I would stop to think because, in my view, when a terrorist attack is directed towards kids and there were children and teenagers who were murdered, um, I would be emotionally so upset that I would question virtually everything. I'd be angry, frustrated, sad, freaked out. So and to think of my kids going to a concert, especially here in Boston where we had a Boston Marathon in any terrorist place. incident, but any place. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I, lies I would, I would stop. I would That's stop. the difference, right? Like this, this was a, a, an attack deliberately on a teen pop star, a tween pop star, this was an attack that couldn't help but to be targeting kids. Right. And so this makes parents nervous. This is a, a kind of a bit of a game changer. I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but it is a game changer, and I think it was intended that way. Yeah, I, I also, it definitely was a game changer, and it definitely stops us all in our tracks to think how are we going to conduct our lives with our children in a place where lots of kids are desperate to go. I mean, this is like a rite of passage for a lot of kids going to their first concert. I think what's different about this for me in speaking sort of as a woman and is that it, it really struck me that this was so much a target against young girls. And I think this was just made it a little bit different as a woman watching this. And to me, there's nothing more precious than seeing pre-adolescent girls just launch into adolescence. You know, they are just so precious. They hold hands. They're happy. They're giving. They, they haven't been jaded by adolescence and all the difficulties that'll come after that. And there's just something so poignant about thinking about them leaving with their best friend and their dad you know, or their I, mom. I have a photo and, at home of my daughter and her best friend crying, holding hands at a Taylor Swift concert when they were um, 12 years old. That's exactly what I'm crying. talking about. Like, like I know it, it's really sincere. And, like, and, and they cry together. That's yeah. what's different about young yeah. girls is that they, they hold hands just because you just are walking down the street and your friend is next to them and, and you just hold hands. And so, and I also think I hear a lot from just women friends that it's, it's getting a little tiring that this, these violent acts are 100% by men. And I think that's something that is, I think that this sort of, you know, here's another male violent act by another group and but and and against this time sort of a big group of of young girls it's a little different i think for a lot of women just trying to process what this kind of means 
and probably for girls. And, and, and definitely and for girls. And it's worth mentioning that, it, you know, if we want to think of it in that context, this has been a weird year to be a young girl mm-hmm. and teenage girl in this country. So I don't want to get too far afield from what we're talking about here, but it's worth thinking You're talking about, about the political atmosphere? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, you know, all the way from the things that the current president said. And again, this is not meant to be a political statement. It's just fact. We know what he said in that bus, even if he was said it in the privacy of the bus. But even the, if it's so-called locker room right. talk, it's not okay. That's far afield from talking about a bombing event, but I think this is compounding. So we're, it's, we're sensitized yeah. to, to this uh, to the disparity between I think so. the way the president has looked upon men versus women. But I don't want to in any way suggest that the president's responsible for this bombing. That's silliness. No. But I do want to say that it is very hard to be a teenager right now, and it, this made it harder, and it's, as Ellen's pointed out, even especially hard to be a teenage or a tween, a young teenage girl. Well, you know, that it raises an important issue that that young people now are more stressed and scared than ever before, and and some of it is the, you know, the immigrant population. I mean, the immigrant teenagers that I know who are worried about their parents being deported, who see their parents being, you know, threatened, who've been here for many many years, um, are extremely sensitized to that, and I think they feel under 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 threat. Um, and this is yet another insult, perhaps. Is that that's what you're getting at? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I, again, I don't want us to get too far afield from what we're talking about here, but I think that the the forces that are weighing down on kids are coming from many places, and one of the places kids go where they feel finally unencumbered by adults is their first concert. Right, because part you of know, the, part, the task of adolescence is... Um, autonomy and separation and, and identity formation, and they're developing the, their own sense of independence and separation from the family. And concerts are a place where they bond and where they can feel part of uh, a group of young people who are developing and who are kind of spreading their wings. And, and, and this puts the kibosh, in a way, on some of those feelings. I mean, some of the teenagers that I talked with that morning were angry they were angry that they were afraid to go to a concert this weekend because they were going to be thinking about what if, what if, what if, and they couldn't just kind of like free themselves up and just enjoy themselves. That's one of the things they were struggling with. I also think it just brings up this fear of the unknown that every time another one of these incidents happen, that's not always terrorism. I mean, sometimes it's just someone who has a gun who shoots up a movie theater. So I think we need to like put this yeah. in even a broader context of this sort of uh, underlying anxiety that we could all share or suffer from if we let ourselves kind of let this yeah. this sort of rule us. The chances are still incredibly slim that any of us will ever be involved in a situation like this. But I think it's that that fear of the unknown. So this time, and if you listen to terrorism ex, uh, uh, experts, that's what they'll say, that a big part of this is sort of keeping everybody on their feet. So this time it was a concert. Next time it probably won't be. Right. Um, but we'll all be focused on the concert. Uh, it could be a Christmas market or something we haven't even thought of. So I think that's what's, I think, seeping into people's consciousness is that kind of fear of, well, what could it be next time? Next time we won't really know. So, so, so let's let's talk about how it affects parents, because Steve, you asked the question, how would I react if one of, if my kids were going to go to a concert? So, how can our listeners who are parents 
um, talk with their kids about this event and help them process it, help them understand it, because they're invariably going to be exposed to this, this horrifying event. So what advice do we want to give to parents as they themselves are struggling with these emotional uh, events? I'm, I, the reason I'm hesitant here is, <laughs> is I tried to follow the very advice that, that all of us dole out on a daily basis with my oldest daughter, who's 17, about this incident. I said, is there anything that you'd like to talk about what happened? And she said, Dad, you always ask that question. I have no idea what you're looking for. Um, <laughs> and, you mean she's trying to please? That reminds me of what something my daughter said at one point. Yeah, just she said it, it was something. She was crying and really upset about something, and I was trying to be very empathic and help her understand everyone else's point of view and get her point of view. And she's crying. And she's like, "Mom, I can't tell you this. I can't tell you this. I just can't tell you." I'm like, "Hannah, you can tell me anything." And she said. You sound like a psychologist. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was to her the worst thing she could ever say to me. But I think that's it. I mean, well, it's, we struggle with that because we right. are okay. psychiatrists so teenage, and psychologists. Teenagers but, are hard to but, talk with about virtually any of these things. And we certainly don't want to talk down to them right. or have them. So so um, what are some tips? So some one, one tip happens to be, you know um, – we know they're thinking about this, but they may not need a direct. Uh, maybe, you don't, you don't think so? Not. I mean, I'm not I think sure. that's that's one point of view. But in in some yeah. ways, I think they're blissfully aware. Like like what you were saying with your daughter. Like she like. Well, what do you want me to say, Dad? Like it happened, and now I have to get to school, and I have a test right. today, and I have. That's a, exactly so, what she said. So it's sort of. I think we can very easily put our own our own fears. We hold their fears for them. So sometimes. we want to we want to make sure what it is we're worried about and the reason that right. we are we asking it for them or for us. Okay, right. so that's yeah. a, that's an important yeah. point. So the first thing is that we have to check our own emotions and what we're yeah. worried about and what we're thinking about and not assume that they are thinking or feeling it, the it, same it, way that we are. But let me just be clear. There's nothing wrong with it didn't bother me that my daughter said to me, I don't know what you're looking for there. There's nothing wrong with asking the question. But then if they say, I don't know what you're looking for. Well, then why don't you say, hey, I'm scared as hell. Because oh, I don't think we should say that. Well, but, yeah. but why not? Well, I'm not scared as hell personally. I mean, I think it's horrible. I'm, I'm horrified. My emotion is, is I'm horrified. I'm sad. And, and I, the incomprehensible isn't a feeling, but if it was, I just can't, it, this transcends I, I, I can't, words. It's, I just don't know. Yeah. And then it, to me, so I, I'm really well, not scared. And, and I think, but some parents are. And well, so I, I think we have I, to I check what is, what is it for us that it's, but exactly. also I think it's important to remember that if you tell your kids you're scared as hell, you, they will become scared as hell. Right. Um, but kids will also pick up on your sadness, on your horror, on, on your emotions. So they're going to pick up on what we're feeling. So what I was getting at, and I think you rightfully pointed out, that all of us are going to be feeling different things. First of all, we have to check in with our own feelings and reflect on what we're experiencing even before we pronounce them, if we, if we choose and, to. And I think we have to temper the affect so I think there's a difference between saying, I'm scared as hell, or saying, yeah, it's frightening. Like, I don't like that this happened. Would I stop you from going to a concert? I don't think well, so. Well, what's so interesting about, about that it. in terms of what research shows about, about how kids respond to terrorist acts, and this was true in the Gulf War, and this was true in a whole variety of things, is that when parents, just as you suggested, Steve, when parents could tone down their emotional you know the 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 volume <laughs> bring it down 
and be much more tempered and controlled and questioning and curious about the situation and so that the kids sense that we're in control even though our feelings may be saying something different they need to hear from us that we want to know what they're experiencing we want to know if they want to know what we're feeling but we want to do it in a in a tempered manner yeah you were going to say yeah. something uh, I, I think we want to know ourselves but we also maybe even before we before we tell them how we feel, we want to hear how they feel. Right. And so I think that throwing that out there, and really, your daughter gave, gave you an answer. I'm I'm good, Dad. Right. Right. I'm good. No, that's my and point. And so it's and so some kids will say, I'm good. Yeah, it's awful. And 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 then another, you know, another ten year old will be sobbing every night. But part of it is just adolescent sort of trying to deal with the world as a. You know, the world is filled with things we can't explain. And I think that's it's almost like an existential crisis that we have to deal with every time one of these things happen is how do we keep on going? But isn't it and important to ask them what they have seen or, 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 uh, or what they know about the event? Because we don't know. We can't assume that they've gotten the same sources of information or images that we have. Yeah. I mean, they may have gotten. I, I, I think you have to sort they of. They may have heard it from a friend. They may have heard something, some, something outrageous. You know, again, though, as, as a parent of a, I have the youngest kids among all of us yeah. here, and of my um, oldest, when I ask directly, like, "What do you know about this event?" It, it to her feels a tiny bit patronizing and also a little bit like um, she's under investigation. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, hey, did you guys talk about this thing at school today? Um, it, because then I, I want it to be in the context of what happened. And she's like, well, should we have? Or inevitably, she says, we what she told me, I asked her exactly that. She said, we talked of it, but we didn't talk about it. And it was what she said is, yeah, we mentioned it, then we went on, we had stuff to do. Um, yeah. So we went on and did our thing. Now. My 11-year-old is off to the side. She likes Ariana Grande. My 70-year-old right. is so done with Ariana Grande. But my 11-year-old likes her. So she said, Dad, if we ever go to a concert, will this happen again? And you can't say absolutely not. No. But what you can say is, I really don't think so. And I'm not going to live my life in a way that we don't go out and do things. Right. You know, if, if it gets to that, I'll let you know. But we're not there. Right. But what's wrong with being, what's wrong with saying something like, you know, these events are extremely rare, number one. Number two, you're, you're more likely to get hurt. We go for you can, you can try that metaphor. You're more likely to get hurt driving to the airport than on the plane. I've never met anybody with a plane phobia for whom that's a useful metaphor. You know, right. so, so we could try that, but if it doesn't work, but for, I, but wouldn't, for, I wouldn't but stick I, but to I it. But I do think that, for me, going to numbers does help me for in, in a crisis, yeah. yes. And for some kids, it does, too. So that I think that is one and, tool and in younger a, a and, and younger children tool, don't... Toolbox. Younger children before the age of, say, 10, 5 or 6-year-olds, for example, don't know where Manchester is. Right. They don't know when they see the... If they happen to see these images on television, they think they're happening over and over and over again rather than this was a one-time event. So what I would like to point out is we need to kind of help parents see that depending on the developmental stage and age of your child, you have to approach them differently. Very young kids shouldn't see these images. But, but, but wait a minute. This is a problem. My, I found out about this from my 11-year-old who was getting ready for bed and came running downstairs saying there was a bombing at the Ariana Grande concert because a friend of hers had just sent her a note about it. 
So she told us the the, the news. It's going to run around. They're going to see. She texted. It was this a text? Yeah, or a, yeah. Her yeah. friend saw it on the news. So I think one thing we can do though as parents is, um, I mean, we can have the debate about whether she should have her phone with her before she goes to bed or not. But turn the, we can turn the news off. It's a twenty four hour cycle. Right. It creates that feeling yeah. that the tension's always up. Always and it's up. continuing, continuing, yeah. continuing. You can turn that off. But I think what we're trying to get at here is we need to make kids aware that they're safe. Yes. That that and I think that's what we're we're all trying to figure out what that might be different for every single child for every for all of us yeah. as adults what works for me doesn't work for you. And so I think that's the that's the issue here is what what would make my kid feel safe right now? Well, I think yeah, and, like you were talking about fact. For example, we know that the UK investigation arrested eight people. We know that that there that 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 the concerts all over the world right now are are being stepped up in terms of presence so of, of, of officers. A, a, younger kid. a younger kid that would be very, very important right. to a teenager. The bad guys. The bad guys. Because yeah. they yeah. see the world in black and white terms. They're good guys yeah. and bad guys. There are more good yeah. guys than there are bad guys. And the people who are helpers are out there working to keep us all safe. So but, that's but, what the but young... a kind of nihilistic teenager might say, oh yeah, a lot of good that's going to do is look how well mm -hmm. it's worked for everything else. And you might say, actually, it has worked pretty well. I mean, given if there's truly been this many threats, not that much has happened. It's horrific when it happens. But and, and, it, and, it would be, and it would be great if a teenager did say that to you because what you're just doing right now is talking about a dialogue and a conversation. I mean, ideally, that's what we want to get into with our teenagers. Some of them won't let us. Some of them, it's in between the cracks when we're, you know, driving in the car or cooking or doing something. But, you know... You, what you're saying is is what you're pointing out, which is really great, is when you can have that kind of conversation. Yeah. We we want to aim for that if we can. Hope, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just think back to some of the children who were raised in World War II and in situations where there was that chronic, "What's going to happen next? Is someone going to attack us?" It's almost like we've entered into that realm in our world that this really is, in a different way, kind of a worldish war. And because we don't know where it's going to strike next. We don't know what's going to happen. Chances are still lower than they were if you were living in some small town in Britain in, in yeah. World War II. But there's still that sort of sense. So how do you move on? How do you continue to live your well, life in a full way where you're not changing what you're doing, but you're you're living to the fullest? You stick to routine. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that we have to remember to do with our kids that life goes on we are still and kids need their school like their friends would. their family yes. their 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 activities their interests and we try to maintain this order as much mm -hmm. as we possibly can yeah, yeah and regardless of whatever situation a child is in that that has been found to be one of the most effective Not, I mean, ways we, I mean, of kind of getting through these situations yeah the world war ii experience there is um, there's gallons of data from how those yes. kids in London were so resilient. Yes. And a lot of it had to, that's the keep calm and carry on. Yeah, that's, exactly. That yeah, worked. no, it's, 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 yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. That's, that's what kind of sustains us is that routine and to know that the, the sun's going to come up and we're going to keep on, on going. Yeah. Well, I hope that we provided you listeners with some thoughts, guidance, maybe questions uh, there are no answers that are definitive, as we pointed out with all of our, you know, bantering here, which is 
Right, because we're all, we're, we all we don't have the answers. We also got three shrink, shrinks around the table. And, yeah. and we're not going to go anywhere right. except right. around in we circles. Can't even turn a light bulb. <laughs> As our children pointed out to us, we right. really don't have all right. the answers. No, no. In fact, we have very few answers, but we have lots of questions, and we we don't have a lot of silence. So the the myth that shrinks just sit there and you know and are quiet is not happening today. But uh, do uh, write in. Uh, Give us your ideas, your thoughts, your comments, and suggestions. I'm Gene Bresson. Thank you, Ellen, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks, guys.